You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things related to deer hunting below the Mason-Dixon line. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, happy weekend, it is the weekend, and we're excited because we have some really cool stuff coming up this weekend. Blake, what do you got going on, man? Man, this weekend I am getting ready for a baby. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, exciting, real exciting stuff. Going to get some, uh, I'll probably be putting stuff together all weekend, I think is what it's going to be, putting beds together and, you know, just getting the room ready for the baby. Baby things? That's right, yeah. Are y'all, paying, are y'all doing like a new room or anything like that? No, I have an office that will probably end up being a baby room six months from now okay <laughs> so i'm kind of i'm cleaning it out too getting it ready dude that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy so everybody who doesn't know blake they are doing this weird like hipster thing where they're not finding out what the sex of the baby is until the day of i don't know how you do that man dude, you I, know how crazy it's gonna be though when that baby comes out and see they're gonna yeah. have a yeah, so I got one, one, one of two things. One of two things. And I'm going to be looking for one of them. Yeah. Or looking for, see what it is. Do you know what the thing I like about doing a hunting podcast is that you don't have to say anything that's politically correct. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. let's just go ahead and get this out of the way right now. <laughs> Myself and Blake believe that there are two genders, <laughs> not multiple. Either not, or. Not, not a, what, what is the word for it? It's like um, non-binary. Yeah, yeah, or something. We do not believe in that crap, and so if that (laughs) if that offends you, I really do not apologize for that even a little bit because, uh, yeah, I am. I I don't know, man. That just it confuses me. I don't understand it. But how did we get? How do we start talking about that? I don't even. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think you may have brought that one up. I I think I did. I think I did. But uh, oh, we're talking about your baby, your weekend. Yeah. So what about you, big boy? So my plans for this weekend are to go and kill a hog. Oh man, I'm jealous, dude. Using my kayak. Oh man. On public land. Yep. I'm super excited about that. Me and you scouted this little area um, that we had to kayak, kayak into. That was our first scouting trip That's last right. year. Yeah, yeah. And we found a ton of deer sign, mm. but the hogs were everywhere. Yeah, it was either pig sign or somebody had kayaked a tiller in and was just tilling up the side of the river. Oh, it, my One gosh. of the two. Dude, it was insane. Yeah. Uh, I'm really worried, though, because when we went, it was like it was summertime, and you know birds were chirping, and the the water level was good. It was there was a couple warm spots outside. where yeah, it was warm, and yeah. fish were jumping, and <laughs> yeah. it was beautiful. And now I'm coming in after all this rain we've had this week. Oh man! And uh, you're telling me that this thing's gonna be roaring? It may yeah. Just make sure you wear your life jacket this weekend. Yeah, I'll try to <laughs> keep your phone in a dry sack if you need to call. Well, there's no service out there. Never mind. Yeah. Just wear, wear that life jacket. So I'm gonna have a camera. <laughs> and I'm going to have a gun. Yeah. And I may have a bow. 
Oh man, I didn't so, know that. So I'll, I'll be in my waiters, but I'm a little bit nervous. I thought like maybe you might be available to go with me, but it turns out you are not. Yeah, dad stuff. So I am. Hey, next weekend though, I'll be next there next weekend. weekend. The other thing I'm really excited about is I got to go on a scouting trip this past week, a couple of days ago. Yeah. On some public land that I hunt, where actually where I killed uh, the majority of the deer that I shot this year at, and I just hadn't got to go into the property very much, just because I was worried about you know scaring anything off, and I knew there was a bedding area. Did you ever get to go to that bedding area with me? I'm not. I don't think so. You went. I, I know where you're talking about, but I, I I never went with you. We went close. Yeah. We went when you helped me drag that deer out that day. Yeah, that's right. We that's went right. pretty close to it. Uh, I found this area, and then as soon as I found it, I like left the hillside because I was like, <laughs> "Run out, <laughs> crap! I don't need to be here." Yeah, and I really was excited about it. I don't think the deer have dropped their horns yet. I don't think the bucks have shed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I looked for some last week when I was scouting and didn't didn't see a thing. No, so. the rut in Alabama is super late. Yeah, in a lot of areas, and like the last time that I hunted this piece of land. I I was finding fresh rubs and scrapes all over the place more than I'd ever seen, and that was in February. Yeah, and so it was. It, so I'd imagine they're probably going to keep their antlers for a little bit longer. Yeah, but turkey season, man, is going to be fun because I think I know where these deer bed in this area, and I know where they eat. I know where they're all their all. I know their trails in the area pretty good. So I think I'm going to find some some sheds. I'm going to be trying to knock out two birds with one stone. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, turkey season for me is more or less scouting season and trying to shoot a bird while I'm scouting. <laughs> yeah. I love to turkey hunt. Uh, you will see that if you follow us on social media, you'll see that. I love to turkey hunt, but man, it's really hard not to get distracted by deer sign. Yeah, it's extremely tough. That's so, how, how squirrel hunting is with me too, man. I, I end up following rubs and yeah. <laughs> oh crap, I'm squirrel hunting. I'm gotta, squirrel hunting with a Rocky. I gotta look up. Yeah. <laughs> man, so uh if you if you're at all interested in seeing uh, that scouting trip though that I took and our future scouting trips together or maybe even separate from each other, uh, we do all of our hunting from or most of our public land hunting from the kayaks. And uh, so we started a blog or a vlog on our Southern Ground YouTube channel, and it's called the Kayak Hunter Vlog. And it's just going to be talking about our scouting trips, our hunts. I'll have this hog hunt up there. Right now we've got one up there from this past scouting trip. Uh, But it's going to be a lot of gear reviews and the gear that we use and kind of what our setup looks like when we hunt with our kayaks. So and of course we'll we'll include some some hunts in there and hopefully some successful hunts. Hopefully so. Uh, it was it was crazy. There was so many times this year I was like, why don't I have a camera with me? <laughs> yeah, it would have been great, man. But but follow that. Um, you can search kayak hunter K Y K K Y K hunter. Uh, you can search that on YouTube kayak hunter. You can find us on just our Southern Ground YouTube channel Southern Ground Hunting. And that's uh, it's got a lot of stuff on there. It won't be just those vlogs, but that's kind of what we're going to focus on for right now while we're in this off season and getting close to turkey season and then this hog hunt. We're going to be focusing on that. So today, though, we have got a really cool episode that we recorded with a fellow Alabamian. Is that a word? Oh, yeah, for Al- sure. Alabamite? I think, I think it's Alabamian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alabamian. I think so. Uh, he's a guy from North Alabama, and he is a really cool dude. Yeah, he's an awesome guy, man. Sometimes, sometimes I wish that I talked like him, like <laughs> that. He's got that kind of low voice with that southern 
drawl to it, and yeah. I just got this high-pitched, annoying voice. He's got that deep, smooth voice. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so y'all are going to enjoy listening to him. We talked to him about traditional bow hunting and using tracking dogs to recover your animals, which is something that I have needed many times in my life. Same here, man. Needed it a, many a night. Yep. And we talked to this guy, Ammon, and he is just a really cool guy. I think you're going to enjoy hearing from him. I'm really excited, though, about our, our listeners hearing about his traditional bow hunting. Yeah, that's exciting, man. That's some pretty cool stuff. This dude, this dude was super successful this season and with traditional gear, completely traditional gear, tagged out, and um, somehow had the time to recover a whole bunch of other people's deer using his dog named Woodrow. If you're from Alabama, I'm sure you have heard the name Woodrow. I think you have. Woodrow yeah. the dog. That's right. He is a legend out here. Yeah. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So we're not going to spend too long on this intro because we have got an incredible episode from Mr. Ammon McKinney. All right, everybody, welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We have got a really cool uh, show for you today. Blake, what do you think, man? It's going to be pretty good? Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's something that uh, we've all needed uh, at one time or another if you've hunted a lot. Yeah, especially if you are a bow hunter, this is going to be a really good episode. So, Ammon, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on today. Dude, we're excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, right? what you're coming home from right now. I'm actually in a vehicle driving on my way back from southeastern Missouri. I went snow goose hunting the past few days. Had an absolute blast doing that and had a blast doing it on days that the weather made terrible and the guides, you know, apologized. And it's one of those things that you can't plan around when you book a, book a hunt in advance. But golly, it was a lot of fun. and got to shoot a lot of shells and a lot of geese. Do you send us a video? The other day, Blake, did you see that video? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it looks like some of National Geographic. All the birds flying, <laughs> all the <there>. birds flying. <laughs> we're talking about when we're gonna when we're gonna record, and Ammon sends us this video. that's like, hey, look what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I'm sitting that's at right. home. I'm sitting at home watching a baby. <laughs> He's shooting shooting geese. It was. It looked like you had a, a good a good time. And so, tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do for a living, uh, what what's your family like. Good deal. So I'm uh, from Huntsville, Alabama, very northern Alabama, and uh, married to a really, really special girl. She lets me go uh, hunting and tracking deer and other things uh, very often, and uh, I try to you know give back and let her do things she likes to do, and I feel it's only fair. So other than that, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and uh, I've always hunted around north alabama middle tennessee and and uh, that's as far as work goes get into house remodeling and and home remodels uh, that i'm more have taken a step back from because it caused some contention between my wife and i and her ideas are always more important than mine when it comes to that sort of thing and i wasn't very good at being a yes man and uh so I've taken a step back from that, and I manage some apartments that we have. That's that's what I do. And basically, working for myself allows me the opportunity to be available, maybe more than some others get to. Man, that's that's awesome. I know exactly what you're talking about when you say it takes a special woman to be married to a deer hunter to any kind of outdoor. Very, very special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they're few and far between. I'm afraid. 
But Blake got him one too. So that's yeah, that's good. right. That's no, good. Found me one. We got them. We got them special girls. Uh, that's awesome. So, so Evan, uh, tell us a little bit about your 2017-2018 season. I know I've talked to you a little bit about it, and, man, it looks like you had a good time. So uh, this season, I was nothing more than what I had done in previous seasons other than just being blessed with opportunities to shoot multiple big deer. Uh, the first deer was a, a particular deer I'd watched grow the last two seasons, and and uh, Buckmaster scoring for me with a total composite score of 145 and 5 eighths inches, which is the biggest deer I've ever taken with a recurve. And uh, my second deer of the season was a, a deer that I called Odd Job because he's he's so short. He's you know the old Odd Job character from the old James Bond movies. Uh, he was a dwarf, and I shot this deer. I, I the last two seasons I had a picture where he would come through one day, and that was it. He never hung around and uh, same thing this year i'd never seen him or had pictures and uh it, it snowed in north alabama and i wanted to hunt in the snow and when i saw him i thought well i recognize that deer and he's a, a different deer and i really want to shoot one and it's snowing and so i shot him and made a great shot and uh, the third deer was during the rut and which is it was a deer i'd never seen before and he happened to show up about 9 30 one morning and i thought man i can't pass this deer up even though i was hoping for a, a different one i thought well if i'm gonna i uh, got uh, 10 days left of season basically i better go ahead and use this last tag on my three alabama tags and and uh really really happy with that deer as well so three deer with the recurve in the state of alabama uh, one nice eight point out in oklahoma on a hunt that i did out there and uh, definitely my the most most blessed season that I've had uh, in all my years of hunting. Man, that's awesome. So I want to talk just, I know you kind of, you kind of ran over it, but I saw a picture of this little dwarf deer. So this deer, what did this deer end up scoring? Do you know? You, you know, I haven't got him scored. Uh, his, his rack isn't necessarily big enough to say, Oh, he scores a lot. It looks like a good rack because he's so small. <laughs> uh, he was he's definitely a mature deer uh his his rack will even show how mature and how thick it was and and uh, he went from being basically a a 12 inch approximately spike last year with big bases knotty bases to uh well on that was on his left side and his right side forked and they were you know still 12 14 inches long and thick rack and then this year he had 13 scorable points i guess he looked like uh four points five points on one side and three or four on the other and then he had just two and three inch kickers down on his bases sticking out everywhere and, and just a really cool deer when i first saw him I thought, goodness gracious, that deer's rack is as tall as his legs. And then I thought, oh, it is as tall as his legs because his legs are 18 inches long in the front. That's awesome. That's what I'm going to start saying. That's what I'm going to start saying about all my deer when people see the rack. I'm like, his legs were just really short. He looked a lot bigger. That's what my wife, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Talking about our good wives. That's what she says about me. Oh, man. Um, so, so, so tell us a little bit about how you got started with the traditional bow hunting. That's a really cool, successful season. Uh, but there's always got to be like, um, a start to it. So how did you get started doing that? Well, when I was younger and first getting into bow hunting, uh, I remember 
I remember uh, I, I basically found out when Santa Claus wasn't real because I didn't get a, my own compound bow when I was about eight years old, maybe nine. And <laughs> that was the first time my dad was basically like, look, I'm just going to tell you, we can't get you a bow right now. We just ain't got the money. But, you know, the next year we got one from one of his friends and, and I was able to uh, shoot it. And I guess when I was uh, 10, turning 11 that season, I hunted, but I never shot a deer. When I was 12, I actually killed my first deer with a bow. And I remember that morning, my dad was hunting about 60 yards away, and I could see the, the white feathers, fletchings from his quiver, and he was hunting with a recurve. And in the process of me getting a bow and us looking for me a compound, he started getting back into shooting traditional archery that he grew up doing. And I always thought, man, that's so cool because his arrows would make a whistle as they went through the air. And I thought it was just so much cooler to you know, shoot a recurve. And I got about 14 or 15. We got me a little recurve that I would uh, go out and shoot fish with. We'd go bow fishing. And, and I remember my senior year of high school, I shot a, a, you know, a nice buck, a nice 10-point buck up in Tennessee uh, that we did not end up finding. And I just thought, you know, when that deer first walked out into the pasture in front of me, if I'd have had a recurve, because I shot a lot back then, I thought if I'd have had a recurve, I would have really, I could have killed that deer easy. Instead, I let him get up there in front of me and turn. I hit him in the front shoulder, and, you know, the rest is history. We weren't able to recover him. And so I was 17, 18 then, and I thought, uh, you know, I really want to get into this. And at the time, it was one of those things that you don't want to get into – shooting traditional archery if you're not going to go 100 percent with it because it's really easy to not be very accurate and go hunting and then just wound a deer and that's not the that's not what any hunter wants to do is just go out and stick a deer and wound it so it's kind of one of those confidence things that we weren't just real confident that i was going to be able to shoot one in the right place and i ended up leaving for two years to serve a church mission down in central america and uh when i got back i told my dad i was, I was 21 at the time and i said I want to hunt only with the recurve or a longbow from now on. I said, well, all right then. And, and we got to shooting them all the time and started killing deer with them. And had years where before I understood the, the mechanics and understanding of what it takes to tune an arrow out of a traditional bow that, you know, I was shooting arrows and they would all go over the deer's back. And a, a lot of that had to do more with arrow tuning than, than anything else. And, so it's, it's a different world because you have to do a lot of that work on your own. It's not something you go to the bow shop and you have them set up your bow and you get some arrows and you just go start shooting your sight pins in. And, you know, with traditional archery, it's very hands-on, very personal. When it gets down to sharpening your own broadheads, fletching your own arrows, and, you know, understanding how all of that works. It's, uh, like I say, it's a little more personal. And it's just, to me, it's just way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Amon, so you talk about all the work you have to put in to, uh, you know, tune your bow, to get the arrows going. Um, what about your hunting style? Because I know a lot of us have kind of thought about making the jump to traditional. So what was that learning curve like? Did you have to change the way you hunt? Because I know, I, you know, I've bow hunted for a couple years now, and getting a deer within, you know, the effective range of a, a recurve is tough. So w was there a big learning curve there? There is here's the learning curve and and some people aren't going to like that i say this but the learning curve is realizing that 
the large majority of stuff that you see on TV is not what you need to kill a deer. And like I said, I'm sorry if you, know, you have sponsors or whatnot. They're not going to like me saying that. But I don't wear camo. I don't use scents and sprays. I wash my clothes about three or four times through the whole hunting season. I just leave them on the back porch to air dry. Um, I've learned a whole lot because, look, I, I killed a deer the furthest I've killed one this year, about 25 yards out in Oklahoma. And everything else is closer than 20 yards. And there's a really awesome thrill that you get when you're when you got any deer doe young buck big buck especially 15 12 yards from you and you're trying not to get seen don't move and you know you've got to draw and make that motion it's a lot different than pulling back a compound when he's behind a tree and wait for him to step out and then you know follow him it's i'm not gonna lie it can be nerve-wracking at times and, and I'm going to tell you what, it's the biggest thrill when you connect. And it doesn't matter how big the deer is. When you connect on a deer and know that you just did one, you just killed one with a, a true stick and string with no sights and just from your hard practice and many, many arrows that you've shot, it's it's a great feeling. It really is. Yeah, man, that, that's got to be awesome. I, this year I shot my first uh, deer with a bow, and I shot it with a compound, and I, it was just a small doe, and it was the – one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, I, I could, if, I, I videoed myself afterwards and I was just, you know, it, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah. I, so I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, uh, having some, you know, just that simple of a setup. So that's, that's, that's pretty neat. I have heard Ammon people talking about shooting a traditional bow and saying that it's in a lot of ways, it's easier than a compound because you don't have 25 things you're trying to remember. Um, when you're making that important shot, it's basically just all instinct. Is that? Did you find that to be true? I actually made that exact same comment to my buddy that's driving right now this morning as we talked about hunting and shooting bows. And I said, you know what? It's almost easier to just look out there and shoot and hit a spot than it is to figure out, okay, this deer's at 30 three yards and i've only got a 30 yard pin and a 30 and a 40 yard pin i'm going to aim a little bit higher a little bit low on this deer and hopefully hit it in the right spot and seeing a deer and having it walk away because you couldn't get a shot and i've had them within 15 yards and just not being a particular shooting lane that allows me to shoot them and have to sit there and watch them and watch them walk away because i'm not going to force a shot and i end up seeing the deer again a few weeks later and you know i've killed some that way or at least got a shot and maybe even missed and know that that's hunting to me i don't have to kill everything i see and it's a lot of fun to sit there and watch them and get the nerve shaking and as they're you know won't give you a shot you know 10 15 yards away and then turning and kind of leaving out yeah that's just part of it you know yeah so so with all of that said so what we talked about Ammon, uh, a couple of weeks ago when i first called you on the phone where are you at now kind of in your season of hunting and I know the way that I knew you was because of of your dog Woodrow um, and and kind of the, the the things that y'all had been doing together the the tracks that y'all had done and and you told me kind of the reason why you started with tracking dogs and uh, yes <laughs> um, but you told me kind of the reason you had started with dogs was because you were a traditional bow hunter so uh, let's kind of segue into 
the the tracking with dogs from traditional bow hunting. Can you talk about that? Was there like an experience that happened of a deer you weren't able to recover because you you hunt with traditional gear? Starting around 2005, uh, I was I was interested in in really having a tracking dog, and I was working night shift uh, and at the time and i was able to find where somebody was doing a blog about their tracking dog and their how they were teaching it and i was interested in it when i was in high school i had a jack russell terrier that i wish you know could track deer i remember shooting a deer when i was uh 22 years old really big deer and uh i hit him high in the top of the back and he didn't die and we saw him weeks later ate him above the spine and uh, he's about nine yards from me and uh but i called on some friends who had some jack russell terriers and we took them out there just to see if they could look up and find him and of course we didn't find him but i thought you know how awesome it would be to have you know a, a dog that could find the deer well fast forward a few years and i was looking and researching you know tracking dogs and at the time i didn't have the time in my life to give to a dog to train it and spend time with it and you know, working at night and sleeping all day the dog wasn't going to see me much and i wasn't have much time to be with him and in huntsville i ended up running into a couple who i call the pioneers for my area of using tracking dogs in 2008 and i ended up shooting a deer in 2009 and had to call on Tom and Jackie Munoz said, hey, I made a really good shot on a deer. I had it on video, but the arrow didn't exit out the bottom. It run off and I found one spot of blood about 40 yards away where I last saw him. And it's not even a big spot. It's the size of a dime. I called him and said, can you help me find this deer? Tom said, yeah, I'll come over right now. And his male dog at the time found my deer. And the deer was maybe 80 yards away. I didn't know if he'd run down. He had side hill it for all I knew, and he could have gone up. And I didn't. I didn't know exactly where the deer was, but when we found him, he was about 80 yards away, and I thought that is really cool because I'm not gonna lie, getting down on your hands and knees looking for blood, yeah, that's part of hunting for some people. But I've done that enough in my life that I'm tired. I'm I'm done doing that. <laughs> it's. I'm not going to be getting on my hands and knees looking for blood anymore. If the blood trail doesn't go right to the deer, I know I can call somebody. So uh, fast forward about four or five years later, same thing happened. Uh, made a good shot on a deer, and for whatever reason, the arrow didn't pass through. Actually, it's not for whatever reason. The reason why is because my arrow wasn't tuned properly, and it was hitting the deer more sideways than going straight, and that's why it didn't go all the way through. Anyways, uh, called Tom next morning. We went out. Deer was about 60 or 70 yards away. I'd looked for it quite a bit that night before, thinking, you know, he's got to be right up here. And I probably walked all around him that night. Uh, but just because the way the, the rocky terrain was, I didn't see the deer, and the dog went straight to it. And, and uh, I just thought, man, I've really got to get to a point in my life where I get my own dog because I would rather just have my own dog to go find my deer. And uh, so when that time came, 2014, I was able to research and get my own dog for my own deer is what I thought I was doing. So, so tell, tell us a little bit about, 
about that. You 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 were getting you we went and found this dog, but it's not like this dog just appeared out of nowhere. What was the process like in finding the right dog? So there is a process in finding the right dog for you in your home style and family life. I when it came right down to it, I thought the idea of having a dog small enough that I could just leave in the front seat of my truck while I went hunting was what I would rather have rather than getting a bigger dog, bigger body dog. Because there's lots of different breeds out there. There's no one particular breed that just, you know, is the one that you got to have. As a matter of fact, my dog's not even a purebred. So I'm not, you know, I, don't, I can't even say I have a purebred specific dog that, you know, was for this. Uh, I ended up looking for a German wired hair dachshund and I didn't have a whole lot of money to spend on a purebred one, but I thought, you know, I'll just look up some people and see what I can find out. And I got in touch with a guy in North Georgia and he said, you know, my son may have something you're looking for and you'll call him. And he was down on the other east of Atlanta and, uh, I called him and he said, yeah, I got a, a pregnant female German wired-haired dachshund right now, but she was bred without me knowing by my male English Cocker Spaniel. He had, this guy had about 10 German wired-haired dachshunds, maybe a couple more that he would use for rabbit hunting as, along with his English Cocker Spaniel. And uh, they were all purebreds and there was a breeding by mistake and he had a couple pups make it. His daughter wanted to keep the female, and he let me have the male. And so that's how I ended up getting my dog. And uh, I was fortunate not to have to pay anything for my dog. So not only do I have a dog that's not a purebred, heck, I even got him for free. <laughs> so, you know, I know people who have gotten a dog from the pound to do this and have a great tracking dog. So I wouldn't mislead anybody into thinking you have to have a specific breed other than What's going to work best for you and your family? You know, are you going to want a family dog? Is it going to stay outside all the time? How big of a dog do you want? Are you going to hold it on the leash? If you're going to hold it on the leash, do you want it dragging you through the woods everywhere? Or do you want to be able to control it a little bit if it's smaller? You know, there's lots of things to think about. And uh, so at the time, you know, I, I, I chose a smaller dog. I love I love that Woodrow is uh, kind of a... A mutt, for lack of better terms, it's not a purebred. Yeah, uh, I'll say it. Yes, he, sir. but he is. When I see pictures of Woodrow up, you know, standing on top of a deer that y'all that y'all tracked or something like that, which I have seen lots of those pictures, it it throws you off, man, because it's not the kind of dog you expect to see. And uh, and I think you mentioned that that's why people actually like him. I do believe that. Um, you know, I've had my favorite compliment is after we find a deer and the person tells me man when he jumped out of the truck i just kept expecting you to let the real dog out of the back of the truck or <laughs> i just thought you brought your girlfriend's dog out here your wife's dog trying to find my deer or boy he sure surprised me being that small and doing what he did and so yeah I, I i really take that as a compliment when we're successful and people tell me what they really thought and he's pretty ballsy. Because, he's pretty ballsy too, isn't he? I've seen him like <laughs> up on on top of live deer and stuff. Yeah, if we can say that on your podcast, he is he is ballsy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
I love the dog, man. I, that's it's such a cool. That's and it's really what makes uh, your team really neat and and pretty interesting is because you, you know, you see you see all these bigger dogs, you know, these tracking dogs that are large and they kind of look tough, and then you got Woodrow who's just putting them all to shame right now, and <laughs> and I I love it, man. I think it's I think it's great. So you said 2014 is when when he was born. Is that right? Yes. So 2014, you got Woodrow. Uh, what does the name mean? Does it have? Is there any any meaning behind the name? Yeah. So I was really hoping, since his mama was a German wire hair dachshund, that he would have a scruffy face, scruffy looking coat. The, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Lonesome Dove, and Tommy Lee Jones plays a character Woodrow Call, who's a pretty ballsy guy in the movie, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was hoping you know Woodrow's face and. I've always liked that movie. I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna name I'm gonna name him Woodrow after that character in the movie Lonesome Dove. That's awesome. That's great. So 2014, and then was 2015 your first year of tracking? Yes. So he turned one year old in September of 2015, and I had trained with him and practiced with him the whole first fall and winter and spring and summer of his life enough to where I thought, well, I guess if I'm gonna get him good, I got to be willing to. You know, find somebody else's deer and and so my I call them my mentors in the tracking world Tom and Jackie uh, Tom called me but the first weekend of, of both season said hey I can't go on this particular track would you like to take your dog and I thought oh it's getting real now <laughs> and uh, I said sure I'll take my dog I haven't killed one yet and so we went out, and uh, lo and behold, we actually found that deer, even though I didn't see it, and I didn't know it at the time. I've learned a whole lot since then. But we actually found the deer, and the deer was still alive, and he took off and, and actually lost my dog for about 45 minutes uh, in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, that was, I thought, everything I had just done the previous year was for nothing, because now my dog was gone, and I was never going to find him again because I did not have the GPS collar on him. He was pulling me through all these briars and I couldn't hold on to his leash anymore. My arms were getting cut up and I let his leash go. And he got the deer up about 50 yards from where I was standing and did his classic barking and barking and circling. And as I approached and got closer, the deer broke and took off. And uh, that's when I lost the dog. Yeah, so how, how, did, you, how did you end up getting him back? Well, the, the hunter and his buddy were with me, and, and we all three just separated and started walking, and, and uh, all of a sudden I heard one of them, you know, holler pretty good and said that he had him, and that was a big relief because, like I said, I, my heart had just sunk, and I was just thinking I, I, I didn't have, at the time, enough money to just really go buy a GPS unit, you know, put it on him. That's why, you know, put a leash on him and I didn't know what to expect when we were tracking the deer. I didn't know that the majority of the deer we were going to track were still going to be alive. So needless to say, I talked to my wife and said, look, if I'm doing this, I need one of those collars. And so I went out the very next day and bought the the Garmin vest GPS collar they make over at Cabela's. So that was, uh, it is well worth every penny. I will add that. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. Um, so, uh, in between that 2014 and 2015, h- how much time would you say you spent training Woodrow? Um, I, I know one thing you had said previously was you didn't have time to do it. So, how much like real time did you actually have in that? Well, so a lot of our tracks, when he was within three months old, 
because I got him when he was six weeks old, and I took him home, and the very next day, I had a I had actually shot a deer on opening day of bow season in Alabama on that Saturday, and uh, that Saturday morning, and then drove down and picked up the dog after I shot that deer, and I actually took the liver from that deer to use as training material, and when I got home the next day, I drug that liver through the backyard about 20 yards and just in a straight line and put him back there and let him get on it and uh, he would find it and I'd let him kind of sniff it real good and lick it and tell him what a good dog he was and and uh, the first two months of doing that we probably worked three days a week for two to three months and it was probably closer to two months because then quite quickly I started taking a deer leg instead of the liver and that's what I would use and drag for him to find and I would as the as we progressed my drags got longer and it got a little more difficult you know dragging through a creek two to three times a week for the first two or three months and then after between three months and until that next season which is which about nine months total working time we would go once every two to three weeks because i wanted it to be new for him and every time it was exciting for him to get out obedience training you know took precedence for the most part and as, as far as it could go in that first year of his life as he's gotten older like with most dogs he gets where he's easier to teach things to as far as obedience commands and whatnot we didn't have to track every day you know once every two to three weeks and he was loving it and having fun when we would go and you know it's five or six months old we we're doing thousand yard tracks and, you know, we got to where we were doing tracks up to a mile long by the time we started our hunting season which is right around 18 or 1900 yards and i had a I had permission to get on a cattle pasture where we would do that so i i thought that was beneficial because he's smelling, you know, cattle and their droppings or whatnot, cow pies out in the field, and he's getting all these different scents. Plus, you know, following the track that I wanted him on, and, you know, starting it around four months old, we we're doing tracks that were 24 hours old. Because uh, so, I wanted him to be able to, you know, pick up the scent when it was weaker. Right. Uh, you know, I did different things that you know, made it to where it was challenging for him, and. He was still able to be successful, and but it still helped him progress. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's awesome. That seems uh, real doable. I was thinking you were going to have to put way more time into it than that. Um, so so now uh, that, that he's a couple years old, how many? How often would you say he's successful in, in his tracks? So <laughs> the easy way to say he's 100% in his tracks, and here's why I say that. If we don't find the deer... I'll get a trail cam picture of that deer within a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, so is is it his fault that we didn't find a deer that's not dead? Uh, it took me a while to kind of figure out. There's a lot of there's a lot of deer that don't die quick, or you know within three or four weeks at least. And we started getting trail cam pictures of the deer that we weren't finding. So yeah, I'm 100 percent kind of lighthearted joke, but. You know, nowadays, after our third season, I have a lot of confidence that if the deer's dead, the dog will find it. 
if he's still alive, there's still a good chance he's going to find it. It may just be a while before he's dead. And 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 I can say from from following you guys through the the past couple of years, I started following you guys uh, 2016 season. Actually, I called you at one point about a deer that I shot, and um, but so that's when I started following you guys. And I'm saying like. I know some listeners are going to be listening to this and they're not going to know who you are or anything about you necessarily. Uh, but I'm just, I'm telling those listeners, you got to believe this because uh, I've seen too many pictures every day. Like, so, so Ammon was talking about, I thought this was pretty funny. Ammon was talking about having such a great season this year, being able to kill three deer, tag out on, tag out on bucks in Alabama, which is hard enough to do. Um, but it was like almost every day I felt like I was seeing a deer that Woodrow tracked. Uh, y'all have been very busy the past two seasons, I can tell. But I kind of want to, I kind of want to fast forward to this season because this season was significantly greater than than last season uh, when I first started following you. Because I've just seen it. It seemed like deer after deer after deer after deer were were being successfully tracked by Woodrow. So what what changed? Is it just age that changed in him? Or have y'all learned things throughout the past three years that you think you could directly attribute to being better? Well, it's both of those. And uh, the, the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about, you know, this past season and the number of deer we found, and I probably should have researched this to know exactly before coming on your podcast, but uh 36, I believe, is the number of deer that he found this season. Um, out of those 36, four were mine, and I already knew they were dead. Basically, I knew they, you know, were good shots, and you know, the dog didn't know that though. I mean, he's, he's just going out to find deer. But uh, there were, may have been one or two others where we basically knew that the deer was going to be dead at the end of the trail, and just because the dog was close, you know, I put him on it to to get on the track. But for everybody else, you know. A couple of things attributed to this season's success in numbers. One is more and more people are learning that if you can't find your deer, there's one more way to figure out if you know it can be found or not, and that's to call a tracking dog. And uh, and, and I like to call him a tracking dog because some people want to call him a blood trailing dog or a blood dog. And well, most people they don't call us when there's blood. You know, most people call us when the blood ends. And uh, so the the dog. I, I don't ever want people to think that they have to have a blood trail going straight to the deer for the you know dog to find it. Yeah, blood helps a lot, especially when we first start. You got blood at the beginning of your track that helps a lot. Uh, but when it stops, you know that's that's when you call us. That's when you call a tracking dog because they don't rely on blood. And there may be some blood that you just don't see, and that's okay. The dog will smell that too. I, I call the blood the icing on the cake. But uh, getting back to what we were talking about here, uh, no, that was good. I, 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 I think a lot of people don't know that, so I think that was that was really good. Okay, uh, I attribute a couple of things to our success this season. Uh, like I say, the the dog being older, and I was told by Tom Munoz that every year the dog gets older, he's just going to get better and better. I have people call me with puppies or you know one year old dogs, and they say, I don't know why my dog couldn't find this deer, and I say. Well, it's one years old. It's one year old. You know, you can't expect your dog to ever be perfect. My dog's not perfect. He's, he doesn't have a hundred percent success rate on you know every deer he's ever tracked. There's been a big learning curve for him. You know, as he gets older and more mature, he gets better. 
uh, you know, this year I kind of made more time to go out and track. And uh, there were a couple of times where I told people, hey, I'm going to come track for you tonight after it gets dark because I'm hunting today. I want to go hunting. <laughs> uh <laughs> But and a lot of times that would help. You know, sometimes they would say, well, I, I think I gut shot the deer. And I would say, okay, we'll go out in the morning. Our chances of finding the, uh, the deer, we'll wait all night and go out tomorrow morning. And the chances of us finding the deer are dead or, or better. Sometimes they were still alive. Uh, but there are different things that I've had to pay a lot of attention to. And, I, you know, we could talk all day on this. But, you know, I've learned a whole lot through all of this and what to expect by the evidence that somebody has found or what the deer, how the deer reacted. And when you get into tracking, you can't just, you know, I'll go out there and follow the dog and we'll find it. No, there's a lot of detail that you have to pay attention to. And not only the dog, but the track, the where the deer was hit. And, I mean, there, there's tracks that, you know, I won't take. If somebody says, well, I, I shot a deer and, uh, with a bow and I hit him up there near the spine and you hit one up near the spine or above the spine you know you got blood for 40 or 50 yards a lot of times most you know if you're in a ground blind or you know depending on the, the shot angle there's a lot of times that there's not gonna die yeah and uh, you know that's, that's things i've had to learn too going out walking for deer that you know were shot that way and then get pictures of a deer with you know broadhead hole through the top of its back and you know you learn a lot from those details that you pay attention to yeah. So, so that kind of, that's a good, that's a good segue right there into when, like, when should a, a hunter call a tracking dog? Cause I know there's plenty of times for me when the time that I call the tracking dog is like what you said, when I run out of blood. Now there are definitely times when I've been, uh, when I've had a shot that was too far forward that I just knew I'm not, that deer's not going to die. Uh, but there, there have also been times when I thought, man, that, that shot looked perfect i'd be tracking blood as far as i could go and then by the time i realized i should have called a dog it was you know i may have already jumped a deer and i've gotten my scent all throughout there all all in the woods when is the best time to call a tracking dog best time to call a tracking dog is from the tree stand and here's what i mean if you shoot a deer with an arrow or a gun there's any doubt basically i tell people especially if it's a big buck that you really want to find or just a deer that you really want to find if you don't see it run and fall over which is what happens with a lot of really good shots if you don't see it run and fall over and you want to make sure that deer gets found call call me call call a tracking dog close i would rather the deer be dead 100 yards away every time to tell you the truth yeah <laughs> sometimes Sometimes these tracks that go on forever because they, they get calls and they say, well, we jumped him two and three times and, you know, we, we finally backed out and, you know, can you come out and track it for us? And, you know, that's that kind of that makes it a, a longer track than what could have been that we, you know, got the dog on it first. And, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of times where somebody will call me from the tree stand or, you know, hey, I, I just got down and I shot a deer. I know I hit him far back. And, so yeah, if you have, if you have any doubt where the shot may have been uh, placed on the deer, because everybody that's hunted has made a shot where the deer is ducked or moved, and or you just the buck fever got to you and it wasn't a perfect shot, and, you know that happens. That's understandable. Sometimes the deer is dead close. You know, sometimes I get those calls and the deer is dead within two or three hundred yards, but sometimes you know it's a thousand yards before it's laid up and. So, yeah, the sooner the better. 
but then you know we do get calls 24 36 hours later that you know we go track and find deer yeah, yeah that's, that sounds good man um I, I, uh, another question i had uh was about so you spent so much time training woodrow uh you know you're traveling to these places sometimes you're having a track for you know over a mile what do you charge for something like that like and, like that and that that uh i'm going to interrupt you real quick before you start ammon because i think this this next the question blake just asked um is directly related to what we were just talking about about when to call uh, i know for me i always feel like somebody's going to expect money or i've you know i've invested so much money in hunting a lot of times i'm if i can cut a corner i'm not going to i'm not going to make that call because i i feel like somebody it's just going to cost money for this service so as far as somebody wanting to know you know if it's going to cost them anything me personally there's a lot of other there are a lot of other trackers or handlers will say you know that's what we call the people who have you know, walk behind the dog a lot of handlers that feel this way but uh i don't ever want to tell anybody that they can't afford to have the buck of their dreams found uh, me personally you know i'll i'll ask for a, a tip a donation just you know what is it worth to you you know what if i'm if i'm gonna have to drive two hours to find a deer hopefully you know the people are gonna be respectful and tip something but uh i don't I, I've gone for free many times. I'll, I'll tell people, they say, how much is it? And I'll say, I'm not going to charge you anything. If you want to pay me something, it's appreciated. If we find your deer and you want to pay me, it's appreciated. If you just want to, you know, give me a couple, you know, 20 bucks for gas or something, that's appreciated. Um, but I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't want anybody to think, oh, no, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. And, and granted, there are some people that, you know, do want to charge money and that's okay they you know, they can do what they want and, uh, as, as people some people say yeah that's a i'll pay that price to find them and, or for you to find my dog and, i mean my deer and and uh, i also don't want people to think that oh my gosh i'm gonna have to fork over all this money to every person i call because that's not the case and that's the that's the main reason why i wanted to have you on this show uh, because after our conversation on the phone the other day, you said that same thing. I don't want anybody to think that I don't want anybody to not get the buck of their lifetime because they didn't call a dog. And I think that if if nobody gets anything else out of this whole episode, I hope that you hear those words. Um, you're talking about a guy who has spent numerous hours out training and doing all this stuff and 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 spent a lot of time driving from what i've been able to tell you spent a ton of time driving and and sacrificed a lot of your own time and and you have but yet you still have this heart just to see uh, people recover their deer and i think that goes that says a lot about your character ammon um and and your respect level for the animal and and man i just want to say that that we really appreciate that as as hunters i appreciate hearing that from somebody like you uh, who could very easily be making be making money um, doing this and so I just wanted to say thank you for that I really appreciate that well you're welcome and, and thank you you know I was uh, there's another dog handler who his name's Matt Wilkes who runs he's got a Facebook page called North and West Georgia uh, game recovery he's got a tracking dog and he put it best to uh, to me and, and even in a Facebook post and he's he made the point that you know been hunting my whole life 
and I never made money from going to the deer woods and deer hunting or going squirrel hunting and you know I've never charged you know anybody to let me get on their land and you know hunt deer you know anything like that and that's that's not why a lot of us do this and uh, like like you said we do like seeing people get their deer and I like seeing my dog recover somebody's deer and so it's it's not something we're trying to make money at uh, so because it, truthfully you know there's not a whole lot of money to be paid even if I charge the fee it's not like it's making me a year's salary so yeah that's right man I love that um so Amon, I know a bunch of guys are thinking that don't live in, in North Alabama. How, how do I find a guy like this? So, do you have any uh, recommendations on where guys can find a uh, a tracking dog locally? Uh, like I said, that may not be in North Alabama, maybe somewhere else. Yeah, there are a few resources. There's uh, the United Blood Trackers website. Uh, they they have some dogs on there in different states that are associated with uh, their organization. There are also Facebook pages, Alabama Blood Trailing Network, Nose to the Ground, Deer Tracking. There are kind of private pages like the one that I share with the buddy and gonna add some more trackers who we see as you know, really good people and, and really good dogs. Because uh, sometimes we'll get on these pages and there'll be four or five people listed for a county, but uh, uh, not not everybody can go and so it's good to have multiple resources uh i can tell you that if i can't go track a deer for somebody that i can a lot of times recommend another tracker and another really good dog to go and uh granted sometimes you know during uh during thanksgiving and christmas and that first month of rifle season we get lots of calls (laughs) and so sometimes we're busy enough that you know, if I got three calls, three deer to track one one day or one night, I might not be able to, you know, get over to you. And the next guy may have quite a few deer. So that's kind of one of those. If you're if you're waiting until you know you couldn't find any more blood at eleven o'clock that night to call me, I may be, you know, have plans in the morning to go track other deer. So, uh, but no, there's there's definitely lots of ways to to figure that out. And and the best way is just to ask. And you know, once you do get on one of those pages, and there are a lot of people willing to try and help you know with their tracking dog and uh, we will never guarantee a recovery for the deer as trackers but uh, if you already can't find it you don't really have much to lose yeah man and i and i again i just want to say that i appreciate that from you guys and i know several people that do this the same thing and they have the same attitude about it and so what we're going to do on our pages on our different social media platforms on instagram uh, in, in our Facebook and on our open forum on Facebook. We're going to just share some of these, uh, these links. Uh, when you guys are listening to this, just go check out Facebook and Instagram. We'll have all the links and all the phone numbers and, and websites, and just good resources for you in your next, in your next uh, hopefully you can recover your next deer because of it. We're very grateful for people like you, Ammon, for, for the networks that you're a part of. And also, man, we're just happy to have you on the show. We are so uh, glad that you were able to come, even though you were uh, yesterday making us all jealous with your goose hunt. And yesterday, while I was sitting at home, I kind of wanted to call you and tell you you're no longer invited. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Dude, we really, really do appreciate it, though. Thank, thank you so much, Ammon, for coming on. And thank you for inviting me. All right, buddy. Well, you have a good one. Thank you. You too. All right. Talk to you later, man. 
And that is it from Ammon. He uh, he just seems like a really genuine guy. And I love that he said he doesn't think anyone should not have a buck of a lifetime just because they're afraid to call somebody or because they think they can't afford it. That has held me back from calling tracking dogs so many times because I just thought, I can't afford this. Yeah, I've never called a tracking dog because I didn't I hadn't had a ton of money, you know. <laughs> I still don't have a ton of money. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm still freaking broke. Oh, that's why I'm going to go to the pound. <laughs> go to the pound. Try to find the, the, the most wiry-haired weenie dog I can just to try to be like his dog. <laughs> You're going to see me and Blake out there with cats. <laughs> they said, they said it. They said it. Hey, seriously, I've met somebody that said that they had a tracking cat. Dude, in no, Texas. you're lying. It was a guy in Texas. Yes, I hunted his property. Well, yeah, Texas. And I shot a deer. I shot a doe with my bow, and he brought his cat and swore that his cat would find this deer. Did it? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, That's not I did not find that deer. <laughs> it was it was a bummer, but it's just kind of a funny story. That's funny, man. If you want to see more, though, from Ammon and Woodrow, they have a few different social media outlets. Um, But we're going to share one of their videos from the last track of the season where they recovered a giant for a hunter in the middle of a creek. It was just a really cool video, and it's got a really good story. And we're going to share that on our Southern Ground page as well as on our open forum. Blake, have you enjoyed the open forum? Yeah, man. It's been a ton of fun being able to talk with some of you guys, and I've already learned a lot on there. So Dude, it's been, so it's been good. if somebody here, if somebody listening has not heard of the Southern Ground Open Forum, this is just a, a Facebook page that we have created for people to talk about things. It's just a forum if you have a question, if you want to share some pictures or some ideas or anything like that, go to this. And all you have to do is search Southern Ground hunting open forum and you'll find it it's just been really fun hearing some knowledgeable people talk about some really cool stuff lately so if you go there you'll see the video from ammon and woodrow that i'm talking about um also just check out our social media altogether. we have a really good instagram uh, it's southern ground s-t-h-r-n ground hunting on instagram and southern ground hunting on facebook and also we talked a little bit about our kayak hunter vlog series that's going to be coming out it's already out it's going to be good stuff yeah yeah look for more videos coming to youtube soon too we got very, some good very, stuff coming down the pipe very soon also feel free to go to sportsman's nation on itunes and just give us a five-star review we really would appreciate that blake i don't have anything else man how about you i think i'm good man i'm uh wanting to go try out a traditional bow and maybe try to find me a dog <laughs> Or cat. Or or cat. All right, you guys have a great day, and we will talk to you next time.